Hello, everyone. On today's episode, we're talking about something that I find absolutely fascinating, and that is hypnotism. Now, we all have our preconceived notions of what hypnotism might be based on what Hollywood has portrayed it as or as those stage hypnotists with their pocket watches swinging in front of people's eyes. But we are speaking with a guest today who is a board-certified clinical hypnotist who is helping people overcome anxiety, making massive changes in their lives via the power, the tool, the healing modality of hypnotism. I was hypnotized once, and you'll hear a little bit more about my story on the podcast, and it completely changed things for me, not overnight, but subtly over time. And I didn't even realize how much of an impact it had had on me until I saw the results and realized that they were happening, interestingly, without effort on my part, without all of the mental drama or like the the steps or the plan or anything like that. Nothing was required on my end except for a very deep hour and a half long hypnotism session, plus listening to a series of hypnotism recordings afterwards. And this really piqued my interest. And whenever I met our guest today, I was blown away by her journey. She tells us about the history of hypnotism and its origins. And she shares some research with us and some personal lived experiences and outcomes. One thing that we didn't get to on the podcast, but that I wanted to share here today was a research study that our guest shared with me. And I'm going to read it to you. Dr. Carol Janandes led the first clinical trial at Massachusetts General Hospital to test whether hypnosis could accelerate the healing of broken bones. All the patients received casts and standard orthopedic care, but six also received a series of hypnotherapy sessions. When the study's radiologist, who did not know which patients had received the hypnosis, reviewed the x-rays, the hypnotized patients showed more rapid healing. Six weeks after a fracture, the hypnosis group had healed to an extent that would normally take eight and a half weeks. There are so many studies out there in addition to the proof of the lived experiences of the power of hypnotism, and I just wanted to ground us in an example of a study and research to kick us off so that we can approach this with an open mind and learn about the power and impact it has had on other people and what it might make possible for us in our lives. Before we dive in, I'd like to welcome you to the Abundantly Curious Podcast, where we aim to spark curiosity, ignite inspiration, and open your mind to expand into possibility. Each week, we'll sit down with experts to dive headfirst into the magical, mysterious, and awe-inspiring elements of our world, with a focus on topics found at the intersection of science, spirituality, and self-help. Make sure you never miss an episode by hitting subscribe now and joining our email list at the link in our show description and show notes. Our guest today is known as the traveling hypnotist. Nicole Hernandez is a clinical board certified hypnotist based in New York City, as well as an anxiety educator, speaker, and resident healer for the Four Seasons Hotel, New York, downtown. After healing her own anxiety-related illness with hypnosis, Nicole felt a deep calling to demystify this healing modality and help others. She specializes in helping anxious high achievers become impactful, conscious leaders that can navigate life transitions with a sense of clarity and ease. 
Her signature approach, featured in Cosmopolitan, Forbes, and The Wall Street Journal, combines modern hypnotherapy, mindfulness, somatics, and her intuitive gift. I first met Nicole a few months ago and was really so impressed by her work and the business she has built and her passion for using hypnotism to help others. And I'm really excited to dive into this topic because I'm so curious about it. Nicole, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm excited for, I'm sure, an in-depth chat with you. (laughs) So to start us off, could you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you even came to be interested in hypnosis? (laughs) It's a funny story because myself, like a lot of people kind of when I originally heard the word hypnosis or hypnotist, I was like, "Uh uh-uh, no way. You're not even going to get me to try that. Not interested. Right. And I had been working in PR at that time. I was a vice president for a, a company and this woman had been seeing a hypnotist to help her with her anxiety. So she's just one of my coworkers, but she was also the coworker that tries like vaginal steaming and everything else under the sun. So you're like, I don't know what she's up to this week. Um, And so I really just kind of dismissed it. Right. But it stayed in the recesses of my mind. And the next year, the following year, I had started my own consulting business. And it was during that time that my anxiety just got worse. And I realized that, um, and I needed to do something about it. You know, I had been taking Xanax. I had gone to therapy. I had tried meditation. I'd done all the things that people tell you you should do for anxiety. And it actually was just getting worse. It got so bad that I had what's called stress-induced alopecia. So that's where you start losing mm-hmm. hair in chunks. And it was right on the back of my head. It was about the size of a quarter. And of course, when you start losing your hair, then you're like, what the hell is going on with my body? It makes it 10 times worse. Cause you're like, now my health is involved that set off even more anxiety. So I started to, um, actually lose my appetite. I had what's called gastritis or kind of an inflamed intestinal tract. And I got to the point where I just couldn't even eat my, my belly was actually so distended after I would eat a meal that it hurt too much to eat. Wow. Um, yeah. So I had gotten myself into a lot of these health issues and I was like, wow this is all stress related, you know, all anxiety related, all related to these thoughts that are in my mind or the perception of like, you know, what I think others will think of me. And I tried hypnosis. Um, I had gone to the water for a long walk. I love to walk and I sat in meditation and I just kind of got this download to try hypnosis. And so I went home went on YouTube, found a hypnosis for your stomach, listen to it. And, you know, a lot of people think that if you listen to one hypnosis, it's going to change your life, like a little guided audio. And it wasn't that at all. It was like, I just went back to that day after day because I just noticed that I felt a little different after, after I listened, like a little bit less um, ridden with anxiety, a little bit calmer. And it was through that, that it, I started to notice these changes in my body. So then my hair started to go back and then my stomach started to feel better. And it was bit by bit and day by day, probably over the course of six weeks. Hmm. And then I decided to go look into training, uh, as a hypnotist, mostly because I was just curious. I wanted to know what the heck was it about hypnosis that made it work. 
And that is really when I think I had my biggest breakthrough around anxiety. And the kind of the short end of it is that there was a story that I was telling myself down deep in my mind and related on an identity level to, to take on responsibility for other people. And that story was what was causing so much anxiety in my life as it was filtering out into other areas related to my business, my relationship and everywhere else. So once that was kind of brought up for my unconscious and really evaluated, anxiety has not been a problem since. Not in a chronic way. I mean, sure, I think it's normal to have anxiety at times. We all do. We all experience stress. Those are all very normal things to experience, but to have it where it's so chronic and where it's really disruptive, that is not normal. And that's Mm. what has lifted for me. I'm so happy to hear that. There's something I want to acknowledge. You became curious about hypnotism because it had started to work for you. It sounds like you didn't go from like, oh, this is starting to work for me. I will now be a board certified hypnotist and I will change my entire business and I will do this now. It was like you followed that thread of curiosity, what genuinely excited you and lit you up. And it led you here today to what I see as a very thriving business, multifaceted business where you're having an impact on others and it's expanded way beyond just helping yourself. Yeah. And that's a great point to bring up about the curiosity. I think before I started hypnosis, I would say while I was still working corporate, I was teaching yoga and I was teaching spiritual fitness in Tinsadi. I could not find my place in the industry, but I knew that I was drawn to wellness and it was like, I would rent studio space and I wasn't making money and I just kind of let it go. And it's funny that when we often let things go, we naturally start to attract what we're really meant for, but it does take that willingness to stay curious about something. And also the willingness to explore your own healing journey. This is authentic to me. And that's why I moved forward with it. Um, and quite honestly, it was like kind of the last resort for me, you know, mm. going to see a hypnotist was the last resort for me, but it was the thing that worked. And so I think when we just open our minds to maybe things we haven't considered in the past, it can open doors in ways that we never knew the possibilities and the opportunities that are behind those doors. They just become unlocked and it unlocks our world. Mm, open mind, open possibilities. I love that. There's something you mentioned in a guest expert video that you recorded for my business Firestarter students, where you made an important distinction between what many of us probably think of when we think of hypnosis, which is those guys on stage dangling watches, making people cluck like chickens. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's a really good point. So a lot of people confuse stage hypnosis with clinical hypnosis and hypnotherapy. And at the core, they use similar processes, right? So we'll talk about the process. The process is hypnosis is simply a state of focused attention. That's it. Like we have focused attention when you pick up your phone and you're looking at it and scrolling through social media, you have focused attention when you're daydreaming, you have focused attention when you go for a walk and you're listening to a podcast, right? That's what 
advertisers want is our focused attention. So when you think about that, you actually naturally go into hypnosis or what we call hypnosis all day, every day. So it's just this light state of trance. We allow ourselves to kind of be there focused in some way or fashion. Now with stage hypnosis, we're using that kind of focus to then bring someone into a state where they can use it for entertainment. So it's kind of go within and imagine and use those resources to imagine you're a ballerina or imagine that you are a dog, like, and we can use that kind of suggestion within that light trance state and then have that different experience. So the other side of it is with clinical hypnosis or hypnotherapy, we're using that focused state. We're using the visualization, the imagination to help us actually see a new perspective um, or to make suggestions about how we could see the world differently. But another layer of that is that within my work, I find myself actually removing suggestions. So people might have had someone in the past that said, you know, you, um, you are too skinny, right? Like you're too skinny. Let's just use that one. You don't have the right body. You're not sexy. Maybe somebody said that to someone, you know, as a little girl. And then, so that little girl grows up and she's just naturally, you know, very thin and lean. And so she carries that suggestion with her throughout her lifetime. And she's trying to constantly trying to fix herself, to make herself look like something that someone suggested that she should be, to be a beautiful, attractive woman. And that's, that's how we live our lives. Most of the time, like somebody either said something to us as a child, or we receive all these marketing messages every single day that tell us that we should be something that we're, you know, we're not naturally. And that if we're not, that means we're somehow less than, or we're not enough in some way. And so we have to start removing those suggestions to actually liberate us in a deep fashion and to, you know, really create space for us to be who we are supposed to be in the world. So there's a big difference. There's a big difference. (laughs) It almost sounds like intentional versus performative. Very much, very much. And I do have people that come to me all the time and they want to do a session at the Four Seasons and they're like, well, am I going to remember this? Am I going to, are you going to say a word and then it's going to trigger me later and I'm going to be walking the grocery store and somebody's going to say like paperclip and, and I start barking like a dog or start doing something like, no, That's what you've seen in the movies. <laughs> and maybe you've seen that in a stage performance. But the reality is that Hollywood has taken hypnosis and really distorted it because no one was able to explain it. And all you had were stage hypnotists in Hollywood as the example of what hypnosis was. And so a lot of people are working from that old understanding or kind of like the old uh, perspective of how it was you know, marketed in the past. Mm. And speaking of TV, I have gotten really sensitive to what I watch because I've started to pay attention to the way my body is responding in some ways, like as if I'm in it. Would you say that we're in a state of hypnosis when we're watching TV and what we watch and consume matters? Yes, you are. <laughs> 
100% you are. And we learn through stories, which that's just part of being human. Like that's how we learn. So we're taking in the visual cue, telling us like how we should be, how we should be living our lives through these stories. And we can base our entire understanding of what life's supposed to be like based on what we're seeing in movies and TV. And I think for a lot of people, it makes them really, you know, sad or disappointed with their own lives because they watch things like the Kardashians and like, I love the watching the Kardashians, but I also know like it's a whole different, (laughs) but you know, like if we compare our lives to what they have, you know, built as a business and brand, then yeah, it might be kind of disappointing. Mm. And so, but when, when we think that maybe everybody should have that because we see it now. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like your media diet is just as important. What you're consuming in your mind is just as important as what you're consuming in the rest of your body. Absolutely. And even the news, I think we all know or should know at this point that it is designed to make make us feel anxious and fearful. Mm. That is why there's big red banners, you know, big headlines. It like comes at you. It floats in. It is all trying to capture your attention. It is meant to make you feel so that you stay hooked to it so that you don't walk away from it. And I found that when I actually stopped watching the news and actually just started reading it online, it really helped me a lot with anxiety, especially during the pandemic when everything was like so chaotic. I just stopped watching it and I would pick up my phone and read the text in black and white. And it helped me so much. Mm -hmm. That's good to know that even the way that you consume and how you digest can alter it significantly and its impact. Is hypnosis new or does it have roots? What is the history and origins of it? Hypnosis is not new (laughs) by any means. I think it has different names and I think people keep renaming it. And so it goes all the way back as far as we can track. It goes back to ancient Egypt. Mm. And we know that the ancient Egyptians had what they would call temple sleep. And so essentially you would travel, you know, to a temple where there were priests, priestesses, and you would be led through various rituals, maybe drumming, maybe drinking mineral waters. And the whole thing is that you were guided now to sleep right? You were guided to sleep. And right before you fell asleep, the priest or priestess would would plant in suggestions. They would say, when you dream, you will be connecting with such and such God, and you will be given the answers to this illness or the answer to this issue that you're having. And think about it. People at that time were losing their loved ones, probably going through the same heartaches that we do like their lives emotionally were very similar to ours. And so they would have these dreams. The unconscious would pull up the information that they needed to solve their problem. They would wake up and have answers. And so that's kind of the roots of hypnosis is that it goes all the way back to ancient Egypt. Now, over time, shamans and different people from different cultures have used storytelling or suggestion, you know, within their own rituals. And so it's not exclusive to ancient Egypt, but it it does filter throughout different cultures. And then at some point, some medical doctor in Vienna (laughs) 
decided to incorporate what he called, he didn't call it hypnosis. He called it magnetism. And so he brought in magnets and would use magnets to move the energy sources in our bodies around. And it was basically hypnosis and suggestion, right? This is what, what they were doing. And then there was someone else, and I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name right now, but there is someone else that then named it hypnosis, which actually means hypno means to sleep. So it's actually, I think, um, a bad name for hypnosis because you're actually not asleep Mm. and you don't even have to have your eyes closed. You can actually have a perfectly logical conversation and still be in a state of focus. So all of that can happen within this modality. I've had hypnosis once. I only did it once and then I listened to the recording for probably half the time I was supposed to. I was like a bad hypnosis client and just stopped (laughs) listening to the recording, which I'm sure is an issue sometimes. And even then, I experienced a shift. I was going there for getting out of bed in the morning. I had historically had a really hard time getting up in the morning. And she took me to a memory and uh, like sort of this pathway and led me through this journey. And suddenly I had a little bit of clarity around why that might be. And then over time, as you mentioned earlier, it was like this subtle shift. I woke up one day and I wasn't even thinking, oh, is the hypnosis working yet? I'd totally forgotten about it. And I was like, wait a minute. I have had such an easy time getting up for the past couple of weeks. How did this happen? Would you say that the shifts can be more subtle and surprising in that way? Or is it more like snap, like it's done? Yeah, that's a good <laughs> question. Um, a lot of people are thinking that it's going to be like wave a magic wand over me. And now woo, I'm fixed. And it normally doesn't work like that. I mean, it can it can, you can actually be you know, within a session and leave the session and go, I'm not walking out with the same problem that I had. Like, I don't even remember what my problem was. It's kind of gone. And there's other people that need time to process. And the processing just means that you surface the problem from the unconscious. Maybe it was like for your instance, it was the memory of whatever happened. And then your unconscious starts to find different resources or can let go of the problem that it was creating and issue done. And that's the thing is like with sometimes with this work, people go, well, you know, we worked together, but I felt like I actually changed myself. I'm like <laughs> you, you did. How'd you do that? I mean, like, did you do that before we started working together? <laughs> no. Okay. So maybe it was actually something that we did, but it can be so subtle that it almost as if like the fear that they once felt just feels like it's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And they just start to behave a little differently. And I, I find that a lot with social anxiety. I had a client who came to see me and she'd been struggling with this for almost 50 years. She was about to turn 50 years old. And she would drive her car to an event. Um, she would be in her car actually crying because she was so afraid of mm. judgment. She just didn't feel worthy of going in there. She felt like people were going to look down on her. Like she didn't have her shit together. Like she felt all those things and she would be crying. And she said, I knew it wasn't logical to have all those feelings before I would go into an event, but that's what I felt. And then she would go into the event, make her way through it. And then she could talk. She was like, I'm, I was trained by my mom to like be a talker. So I couldn't converse, but I never felt like I was like really equal with somebody. So we did a session 
she went through it. Next day she went to work. She was talking to her, her boss. And then that changed for her. Like the relationship she was having with her boss changed. She was no longer feeling impacted by her boss. She actually had more of a one-to-one kind of rapport with her as a result of the session, which now then changed her career because it opened her up to new opportunities that she had just been missing before. She met up with, I think, a, a hairstylist for her daughter. And the hairstylist said, you know, you're a little different. What's going on? And she was like, you just seem like more open to having conversations and to connecting. You just feel open where you were more shut down before. And so that shift was like so subtle, right? Like mm. most people wouldn't know, like they're like, oh, you just feel more warm and welcoming than you did in the previous times that we have seen each other. And that was enough to really change her world. <laughs> right. But yeah. it was so subtle. She yeah. was just going through her day, kind of just having everyday experiences. That shift was so subtle, but impactful that now she has a different experience in life. That's so beautiful. And it makes me think about how we so often think that we need to think our way out of stuff or think our way into change or healing. But she knew that her emotional response to going in wasn't logical. If the output isn't logical, then the input to healing it probably isn't going to be you thinking your way and logic your way out of it either, right? It's going to be more happening in different parts of you, uh, yeah. which is is really beautiful to allow for that and to know that it can happen without you actively thinking your way through every step of some process. Absolutely. And the, you, I think you hit it on the head. So many people will spend years of their life trying to be logical about the problem. It's not a logical problem. It's an emotional issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's something deep within the emotional body, within the psyche that has to be dealt with. And we will unconsciously layer all this stuff on it and top it off with some logic on top. And then we don't get to the real issue because we haven't allowed ourselves to go there. And I think that's where it's really important to, you know, perhaps consider working with someone um, like a hypnotherapist so that you can have somebody help you shift through the logic and kind of penetrate through that and get to the root of the issue. Yeah. And especially to find someone who specializes. So you specialize in anxiety. And I saw the social anxiety specialty as well, which spoke to me because when I was a kid, I would get sick to my stomach every day on the way to school. I would black out if someone would talk to me that I didn't know. Full body shakes if I needed to talk to someone on a stage. And then subtle shifts and just like exposure, I guess, over and over again, something in me shifted over time. I'm curious to know how you would help people. What would your plan be or your guidance be for someone who came to you with that level of social anxiety? Yeah. So a lot of it does require going back to the inciting incident. So when did that first happen? And sometimes there's like a layer before that, where we actually lock down the pattern and then something else happens that re-triggers that. And so now we start to create the social anxiety over the span of time. So we're looking for, you know, when did this happen in your past and the memories related to it? And then also combining that with behavioral shifts and changing the perception of whatever's triggering you right now. So for some people, that's the boss, right? Like the boss has 
um, power over you because they can let you go. They might be a little bit more direct in their approach. And maybe that doesn't feel good to you because you're not used to being so direct. So we can start to work with what exists right now and shift the perspective, shift the perspective, (laughs) and then also go back and start to do some work on the past too. Would you say that the way that you approach anxiety is any different than other items? What else can hypnosis assist with? It can help with all sorts of things. Um, A lot of people call what they have anxiety, and there's often a lot more beneath that, right? Mm. It's the behaviors that go along with that. It's the thoughts that go along with that. It's ultimately identity when we get down to it. Like, what's the identity that you have that is having you experience this version of the world right now? It's almost like that you know, that movie sliding doors, like you have this identity and these behaviors, but if we were to remove that so that you didn't actually feel those things, then you would have a different reality right now. And I'm sure a part of seeking uh, a different reality is first acknowledging like, okay, I think I might have some anxiety. And while that sounds so simple, I know that in the past when I had a lot of anxiety and depression, I never self-identified as anxious and I didn't even recognize it. It's such so like, this is just the way it is. Like, this is how I am all the time. How would you describe anxiety to people if they felt like that something was off inside of themselves, but they really didn't know what it was? And how does anxiety maybe differ from like stress? So anxiety is usually predictive behavior. So where you're thinking about what the possible outcomes are and it's like, what if this happens? What if that happens? So that kind of is happening in your head. You are trying to think your way about all the possibilities so that you can protect yourself from an outcome that's probably unlikely. And so there's kind of this constant turning inside of you of being hyper vigilant about the issue on an emotional level, thought level, your physicality is all in that space of being in the future. Um, and you know, stress is normal. It is normal for us to have stress, but, um, I think the fear factor related to anxiety is, is actually the real problem here. It's not, it's not really anxiety. It's really the fear that we're ultimately dealing with Mm. when it comes to these issues. So we're digging into the fears and what's beneath that. Whenever you think about all your experience with hypnotherapy and hypnotism, what is the most fascinating outcome or thing that you've witnessed or seen that lit you up? So I had a client that had come to see me because she was emotionally eating and she said, you know, I really want to work on this. I've been dealing with this my entire life. I just want it to be done. And so we did a few sessions together and I would say the more that she really started to open up and actually feel into her own body and the more that she tapped into kind of the somatics of it, the more this started to surface and things that she shared were things that she probably had never shared with anybody before. And they happened very early in her youth she probably didn't even really think about them. I think that's what's interesting is sometimes this stuff comes up to maybe memories that we don't actively think about. Um, And so when we got there, 
she had a big emotional release. And the next couple of weeks or the next couple of sessions, I remember talking to her. She was like, I feel really sick. I think this hypnosis time might be making me feel sick. And I was like, really? That's, that's not usual. I was like, I don't think so. And so she went on and I checked up on her and I said, are you sure you're not pregnant? Cause you kind of sound like you might be pregnant. And she said, there's no way I've already given up on that. My, my husband and I were told that we really couldn't have children and that I have an issue, like a problem of fertility issues that I can't overcome. And I was like, okay, she calls me a couple of weeks later. And she's like, you'll never guess what I learned. I'm pregnant. Her issue had been the deep, dark part of it was related to a sexual experience. It's crazy to me when we actually deal with some of the stuff that maybe we have a lot of shame around that we've never talked about before, how it can have such a profound healing effect on our body when we release Mm. shame. When we release the fear of judgment, even the fear that we have judgment on ourselves, you know, not even about other people judging us, but the fear and the judgment that we place in ourselves, how much that can really shift our health. Now she has a beautiful baby. Uh, I think she's a year old now or a year and a half year old now. Wow. So she came in for one thing and then shifted and it's just all interconnected and they got this beautiful gift. Wow. Yeah. And that's what I find the most fascinating about this work is people will come in for one thing, but the problem is so much deeper than that. Like it's so buried beneath the symptoms and the symptoms are just what's surrounding the problem. They're like the little knots that are almost protecting the problem and keeping it in place. You know, we think of like this kind of protective layer, but when we start to remove those knots and we can actually get to the root the core of this issue. It's something often completely different than we thought it was. (laughs) Like for me, it was related to my mom. You know, my mom is bipolar. And so I grew up with a mother who was constantly in in a mental hospital uh, because they were trying to work on her medications and Mm. get her to really balanced state. But she was suicidal after my parents' divorce. And I was her caretaker. That memory that I had suppressed or hadn't really thought of, or thought I'd never had an issue with was at the core of my anxiety. Mm. And once I actually dealt with that, gone. It's almost like we want our brain to understand things in order to open up to them. But, and so we put things in boxes, right? Like I will understand this, this alone as an issue over here. And I want to know the steps that'll get us to solve it. But our entire being, our emotional body, our physical body, our mind, everything is like this giant, beautiful kaleidoscope instead of a box. It's working together in ways that the mind cannot understand. And even in research, we haven't demystified all of that mystical yet. There's so much more to untap and it's, ugh, it geeks me out. That's like part of why I started this podcast is to explore more of that. Yes. It's really a beautiful process. I mean, we're so complex in so many ways. And I think the thing that I really enjoy about working with people now is that I see how much we are so similar at a very core level, like we all kind of have similar emotions and we worry about the same things. And we have these, the shame, um, 
around so many of the same things and yet we don't share it. And I think that kind of perspective that we are different and that we won't be loved or that we'll be judged for being different keeps us from really being loved, (laughs) from really being loved by other people and loved by ourselves. So Mm. let your freak flag fly, as I say, and (laughs) because I think when you do that, when we actually allow ourselves to be our weird little human selves is when we actually really come back to not only healing ourselves, but also to finding healing in ourselves as human beings and our connections with each other. I think, you know, at the root of all of this work that I do, it's really to help people come back to their humanity. And Mm. I think it will ultimately, if we all do enough of our own inner work, we can heal humanity because we're not going in the right direction right now. What do you think the world would be like if everyone participated in hypnotherapy? I don't know if it's hypnotherapy, but if I think if everyone did their own inner work and however Mm. that works for them, because I think hypnotherapy is right for a lot of people, but I also think there's other modalities that are right for a lot of people. Like there's not one thing. I think if we all did our inner work, then we would, God, we'd be in such a different place. I think we, we would have less poverty. There would be less violence, less suicide. We would actually have leaders that were consciously thinking about how do I support the whole here instead of just myself, my, my agenda. Um, I think we'd be in a, a, a different, totally different space. And if there's anyone at home listening who wants to start taking their own steps to their inner work and maybe specifically is interested in hypnotherapy, is there anything they can do on their own or is there a first step they should take to reach out to a practitioner to get them started? Yeah. So I would say if you want to work one-on-one with someone, look and find somebody that actually specializes in whatever it is, the issue that you're having. So I work with people that are high achievers focused on anxiety, social anxiety, relationship anxiety. And there's others that are my colleagues that might work specifically on weight loss or specifically on, um, like a lot of people have health anxiety. So there's different people for different things. Just like you would see a doctor that specializes in whatever you need. I would do the same thing for hypnosis. I would also likely recommend looking for a board certified hypnotist or hypnotherapist. And that is because there is an ethical situation there. So you want to make sure that somebody's going to get you the best help and at least refer you to others. If you need more than just their help, whether that is a doctor or a psychotherapist or someone else that can help you. And then also there's just a continued education component that comes in being a board certified hypnotist. So you have to make sure that you are keeping up with the latest information, um, remaining diligent in your research and your, in your education to provide the best possible solution for your client. Great. And if people want to work with you or follow along on your journey, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me at The Traveling Hypnotist pretty much everywhere across platforms. I'm on YouTube and my website, Facebook, Instagram, and I just launched a new website. So right now I have this free downloadable called Love Yourself, and it is just a 10-minute sample of a guided hypnosis that someone can use to start their journey. And again, it's one of those things that you're going to listen to 
not just once, but perhaps multiple times until you no longer need it. Great. Everyone go download that. I'm going to do that right after this. It sounds fascinating. <laughs> Last question. If you could leave our listeners with just one message, what would it be? I would say the true journey to healing really starts with yourself, starts with going inside. And we too often work externally, like trying to change the way you look, losing 10 pounds, getting the promotion, starting the business, but all of that is eventually going to lead you back to yourself and to make the changes inside that really need to be changed. And I think if we could stop working so much from the outside, the external, and really dig into the internal, that's where your biggest changes are going to happen that will have the biggest impact on your life. Mm. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you so much for being here. I've loved this conversation. I feel like I could ask you a million more questions. Maybe we'll do a round <laughs> two. Thank yeah. you so much, Nicole, for being on this show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to be kept in the loop on new episodes like it, follow us on Instagram at Abundantly Curious or join the email list at the link in our show description and show notes. And if you've got extra love to give, which we always welcome, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And remember, when we open our minds, we open to new possibilities.